Blog Talk Radio. going to jump in to some headlines, which, you know, kind of disappointing, but at the end of the day, 
people have reasons for why they do what they do. And one of the biggest things that's rankling conservatives today and yesterday is that South Carolina Congressman Trey Gowdy endorsed Marco Rubio. And <laughs> that's one of those things that make you go, hmm, that would be like Sheriff David Clark, Milwaukee County Sheriff, endorsing Moms Against Guns. <laughs> but, you know, who who knows what's going on in his mind. And immediately when that happened, People wanted to say that he that he has lost his conservative car. I'm not necessarily sure if that's the case or not. I'm not going to pass judgment personally, but still, at the end of the day, it seems like folks are running scared, whether they're scared of what potentially can be done to them by the administration. I don't think, honestly, I've ever seen a, a legislative body as scared of an administration as our Congress is afraid of the Obama administration. And, you know, many headlines talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership Act, the uh, UN Small Arms Treaty, and there was even a Democrat congressman propose a ban on all assault weapons except single-shot guns. I don't know how that's going to work. Because there is nothing that they can conceivably do in this nation to disarm every law-abiding American citizen. And what really gets me is they're passing all these laws and they're putting all these stipulations against our veterans. See, this is what people don't understand. This administration is tracking our veterans more than anything. They're passing laws trying to take away their right to carry arms. Enough is enough. Because at the end of the day, no matter who they put together, they can get all their little Muslim friends all they want. There still isn't enough of them. Because there's men and women in this nation that will lay down their lives to not only protect, protect their family's personal freedoms, but they will also lay down their lives for others.
And our military men and women are getting sick and tired of being treated like bottom feeders. I know me personally, I tried to get in the military, um, but I couldn't get in because of physical health reasons. But I tell you this much, at the end of the day, I am going to be well-trained, armed, and I'm going to protect my country, the citizens of my nation, the only way I know how. It is well known that as a black man, I do not like Obama. I don't like his policies because the destruction that he has brought upon his country, and even more so, the destruction that he has rained down on the community that he then turns around to exploit. Trying to stir up a race war. Well, bruh, you may be able to play on the emotions of some in my community, but you got the wrong one here. Because I know what racism is. And I don't make a blanket indictment of of an entire culture of people based on the actions of a few when the truth of the matter is that you are protecting the most racist group of people on the face of this earth. Let's keep it real. And I'm talking about Muslims. You conveniently hide the fact that in Islamic nations, there's still over 300 million men and women who are still slaves to Muslims. Not only that, but of that 300 million, 27 million are black. But yet, here in this country, Groups like Black Lives Matter and that vermin like that, or should I say that filth, who ironically, they are funded by a self-hating racist Jewish white dude, George Soros. Oh, wait, y'all didn't know he was a Jew? Well, now you know, when he was a little boy, he held his grandfather's hand as his grandfather was taking Polish Jews to the furnaces in the concentration camps. That man is racist. You want to talk about white privilege? 
but yet folks in the administration want to target hardworking white men and women who decided that they're going to make something of themselves and tell them they don't have a right to be where they're at because somebody else might get left behind. Well, maybe if they get off their butts and try to do something, start a business, get a trade, they won't be left behind. Because at the end of the day, this is how I look at things. If this individual over here wants to dislike me because of the color of my face, that's his business. But at the end of the day, his disliking me and even his racist attitudes is not going to determine my value, nor my self-worth, nor will it cause me to make a blanket indictment or stereotype an entire culture of people, the white culture, because of the actions of a few racists. I won't do it. I don't have to be around those people that don't like if they don't like me. But at the end of the day, I'm still not going to do what they do. Having said that, I am coming up on my first break and I am gonna play an oldie but goodie. And this, <laughs> it's a two-minute and 23-second clip from my friend Bill Loman. And this was a few years ago, and I kept it. But he got a call from a liberal. So listen to this. And we'll be right back. And, oh, parental discretion is advised. So be right back after these messages. You are listening to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed. Hello, America. This is the other bill for America. I'm the guy with the sign on my truck. Now, I'm not hiring until Obama's gone. That is strictly a prediction because he is destroying our economy. But, as promised, I promised a few Patriot friends on Facebook that I would post a video that um, would bring to light the last phone call I got last night at 11.16 p.m. my time here on the Eastern Seaboard of one of my new liberal friends from Wisconsin. He says his name is John, and i got to call my... Uh, uh, voicemail to be able to retrieve this message and allow you to hear it. It's impressive for somebody of sub-intellectual character. Yeah. Bear with me on this video thing. It's new to me. 
and I got to uh, fine tune, fine tune it as best I can, and get one. First saved message. Here's that. Yeah, my name is John. I was uh, wondering if you guys were hiring yet. Entertaining, huh? The Muslim's still in office, I guess. Come you on. Fucking piece of shit. Pick up the pace, John. Soon I'll be standing right behind you. Ooh. Fear. See you fucking that. loser. You're, you're fucking part of the reason why this fucking country is the way, the way it is. Yada, yada, yada. Keep it, you piece of shit. Hmm. Well, John, I want to thank you for your contribution. And uh, I have posted on Facebook. If anybody wants to contact him and let him know that they are in support of him or maybe discuss his feelings for my terrible capitalist beliefs, please please don't hesitate to do so. But uh, I will be posting this video shortly. And uh, God bless all patriots, Semper Fi Marines, now, I'm a little busy, so i got to get to work. I'll talk to you later. You have a blessed day. And yet, <clears throat> liberals are always crying about hate speech. But who's full of hatred? It's not necessarily us. Now, there are some on our side who does go to the extreme. When they do, they get called out. Welcome back to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, the visible one himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith, and I am still waiting for my guests to call in. If not, you know, I can do this. I could do this the whole time, but um, it it's just it's just too much going on. I don't even like looking at the news anymore because there's there's nothing ever good in it. There's nothing ever good in it, and I mean Fox News is going um it's going far to the light. Now one thing that I wanna take a pause for There were 11 people killed in North Texas tornado outbreaks. And um, we have to, we have to lift those people up in prayer, the families. And uh, one thing that is very important, that is we remember 
that life is precious. And when you have a loss of life, when you have a loss of life like that, it is okay to pray for those families. So I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to pray for the families who lost loved ones. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I give you glory, honor, and praise. I want to lift up to you, Lord, the family, families of those who lost loved ones in the tornado. Father, I pray that your love, your mercy, and your protection surrounds each and every one of the hurting individuals that lost loved ones, that your comfort, your grace, and your mercy just, just compass, be, a, be encompassed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, when you love your country, you're affected by any life loss, especially the loss of innocent lives. That's how that's how we know that we're still a nation full of compassion. Because if you can take a moment to pray for total strangers, that's what it's about. And I'm going to read Wow. I I'm going to have to make some calls. I'm going to have to make some calls because um, I have friends that were in, that was in the track of those storms. I'm sorry. This... This is just um, oh, I'm gonna get back to politics because that that's too much. Here's one: ISIS on the ropes. ISIS puts up heavy fight to slow Iraq Iraqi troop advance. 
Islamic State fighters are putting up a tough fight in the militant-held city of Ramadi, slowing down the advance of Iraqi fighters, a senior Iraqi commander said Sunday. Iraq launched the long-awaited operation to retake the Anbar provincial capital, which was captured by IS militants in May, but after an initial push across the Euphrates River, their progress stalled. General Ishmael al-Malawi, head of the Anbar military operations, told the Associated Press that the advance was hampered by suicide bombers, snipers, and booby traps. Iraqi troops will need days to get to the city's central government complex, said al-Malawi, adding that the troops were about a half mile from the complex on Sunday. Al-Malawi said he could neither confirm nor deny media reports that IS fighters have pulled out of the government compound by nightfall Sunday, but he cited residents in the area as telling his troops that the IS militants have withdrawn from the neighborhood of Abu Awan adjacent to the complex. Another officer said the Iraqi army has yet to gain full control of a single Ramadi neighborhood. He spoke on condition of anonymity because he was not authorized to talk to reporters. On Tuesday, Iraqi forces reported progress in recapturing some areas in the western city of Ramadi, 80 miles west of Baghdad, from IS militants. The extremists control large swaths of land in western and northern Iraq and in neighboring Syria. The IS group has declared a self-styled caliphate on the territory under its control. After overrunning Ramadi, IS destroyed all the bridges around the city. It also demolished the Anbar Operations Command Center and fanned out into the city's residential areas to set up less conspicuous centers of command. A statement late Sunday from the Iraqi Joint Command said the operation in Anbar is going according to plans and that Iraqi forces continue to encircle the government complex in Ramadi. It made no mention of any pullout of IS militants from the area. You know, Iraq is looking like Vietnam all over again. We had the opportunity to crush the Viet Cong, but because of political pressure, we ran like chickens with our heads cut off, and as a result, we left hundreds of POWs in Vietnam. Men and women who served in that conflict were fed on when they came back. They were treated like they were nothing, and they were called baby killers. Now, we have a Secretary of State, John Kerry, who was a traitor. I'm going to bring in my friend, Vincent E. Brown. Hey, Vincent. How are you tonight, sir? Hey there, Thomas. Um, 
<laughs> wow, I don't know what happened last night. It seemed like I got cut off. <laughs> I don't know. Blog uh, Talk Radio probably they they probably didn't like what we were talking about last night, and they just said, "Hey, <laughs> let's cut these rassles off too much. Let, let, let's cut them off right now before they get too much of that truth out." <laughs> well, yeah, they cut they cut us off at the they cut us off at the net, but. I um, reached out to Peggy. I, I'm thinking she may be doing a family thing at the moment, but if she doesn't, if she can't call in, you know, we're going to reschedule that for the part two because that was a phenomenal discussion. You and um, you, Peggy, Kenneth, and then a gentleman from Orlando who called in, you know, it was an awesome discussion, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, what's on your mind? What's, what's your thoughts on my commentary that I was just given? Well, um, one thing, um, I, and I told this to my wife uh, about a month ago when we had the attacks in France, and later on when we had the attacks in uh, San Bernardino, uh, I'm sick of Obama. I'm, I'm just sick and tired of him. I, I, I just don't like listening to him talk. Um, I, I, I have really gotten to the point, you know, where uh, I just don't trust a thing that he says. You know, I mean, everything he says is a lie, and it sounds like it's a, he, he makes a prefabricated speech on what to say to ease people. And whatever, and and the, and the sad thing about it, it, it the, the problem really isn't Obama; it's the people who support him. But Obama, mm-hmm. Obama knows this, and he just goes out there and he just says anything, and and he knows he'll get away with it because he has a bunch of brain dead people following after him. And I'm sorry if you get if anybody is listening to this and uh, you don't like to be called brain dead, but if you're following Obama just for any old kind of reason, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it, you're brain dead. You you got to be, you know, and uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, when, when the attacks occurred in France, he comes up and he says, we don't want to uh, speculate who these attackers are. And, but when they were, when they were making their uh, terrorist attack in France, which is what it was, they were saying Alawa Akbar, and this is for Syria. I mean, what could you, what could you, I mean, what could you take out of that? It was a terrorist attack. And then now, here's the funny thing, though. This 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 one is kind of hilarious. It would it it would be hilarious if 14 people had lost their lives in San Bernardino. But I I don't know if you remember when they first reported the attack. They said it was three right. white people in body armor. Right. It was three white people. Now me, I was already, I was already all over. I was like, I don't care who it is. It's a terrorist attack. And folks were going, oh, you know, uh, it's three white people in, in in body armor. Why don't the why doesn't the media call this what it is? It's domestic terrorism. Found out the next morning, it was a husband and wife, and both of them were Muslim. And all of a sudden, everybody's backing off of the terrorism claim. And I said, whoa, whoa, I said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You had it right the first time. They were terrorists, you know. 
and I don't I don't understand this uh, uh, this Islamophilia <laughs> love of uh, right. Islam that's going on in the country today. I, I I can't explain it. I mean, you got these people. It was clearly a terrorist attack, and people like Loretta Lynch they get out there and they say, my greatest fear is that the Muslims are going to be un. Uh, uh, unrighteously persecuted for this, you know, with so many words. And I'm like, I can't believe this woman just said this. These people hate the U.S. of A., okay? They hate us. They call us the great Satan, which means if they call us the great Satan, that means they see us as sinners, and according to their religion, whoever they deem to be sinners is not fit to, is not fit to live Therefore, they need to be eliminated. I don't understand right. why people don't understand this. But they, you know, right. and now a lot of people say that Barack Obama is, is, is a Muslim. You know, hey, I say have at it. Me, I don't believe he's a Muslim. I believe he is a straight-up liberal who happens to be a Muslim sympathizer. Right. right. And that's my take on it. And if anyone agrees, disagrees with me, hey, I I could be wrong, you know, but he's a Muslim sympathizer. And I don't – now, <laughs> people are talking – now, you know, people want to get all over Donald Trump talking about, you know, uh, we, we need to uh, keep the Muslims out of this country until we can figure out what the heck is going on. And people are like, oh, he hates Muslims, he hates Muslims, he hates Muslims. And – Barack Obama wants to bring these Syrian refugees over to this country. I think it's 10,000 of them. He wants to bring them in without even vetting them. Now, here's my thing. There are people who are refugees in other countries right now. These, these people are uh, known as Christian. How come Barack Obama didn't open up, uh, open up uh, the borders to uh, let them come into our country for sanctuary? You know, but he'll let the Muslims come in, right? But the the people who are known as Christians, how come he didn't give them sanctuary? How come he didn't say, "Okay, you all, you all come on in here," you know? But uh, it, it's all, oh, you all are persecuting the Muslims. Ain't no one persecuting the Muslims, you know? I mean, <laughs> and 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 see that this is why I say that political correctness is going to kill us. Because ISIS has already said they're going to infiltrate the uh, refugees that come into this country. And if you, I don't know if you've noticed or whatever, but I think about six, anywhere from 60 to 70% of them that are, uh, of the refugees are young men from the ages of 18 to 50, if I'm correct. Right. Most of them are young men. They're young men. And Obama gets up and he says, you know, uh, let me be clear. Uh, most of these people, why you all don't want to let in women and children? They're, most of them are not women and children. They're men. And, yep. folks, <laughs> and folks, I believe that story of the Trojan horse has been a part of our culture for a good reason. And it's because this is how you can let the enemy infiltrate your country. You can sit there and, you know, you can play I'm blind and all this crazy mess and, you know, oh, ain't nothing, none of this is going on all you want to, but they're just allowing a Trojan horse to come in 
And before we know it, we're going to start seeing sales of ISIS in this country. They're going to start doing their little mess. They're going to do it at the malls, at workplaces. We're already seeing it happening right now. We're just getting, we're just getting a taste of what can happen in the future. And before you know it, this thing is going to become an everyday occurrence, all because of Air Obama. It's crazy. Uh, Vincent, I am Go going ahead. to stop you for just a minute because <laughs> I have a friend who is listening who, if him and his group of friends in Arizona have something to say about that, that ain't going to happen. Here's the Here's the here's the deal. We're not Europe, and I'm gonna tell you something. These terrorist cells, they've never dealt with a pissed off redneck, have they? Say that again. Say that again. These Muslim Islamic radicals, they've never dealt with a pissed off redneck. Oh, no. no. Country boys from the South, black and white. Oh, no. Do you know what these boys would do to them? They grew up, honey. They know the lay of the terrain. That's what has Obama terrified. We know where all their campgrounds are. Now, be that as it may, here's Miss Peggy. I'm going to bring her on in. Hi, Peggy. How are you? Hey, good evening. Good evening. I got Vincent. Um, um, Kenneth hasn't called back in yet. But um, what we're sitting here discussing, and uh, I want you to chime in on this, you know, in light of mm-hmm. everything that we talked about yesterday. And let's talk about the Muslims, the Muslim problem. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's a problem. But Peggy... Why is it that we are expected to acquiesce to the rights of Islam, but yet they can freely discriminate against us? Oh, and by the way, did either one of you two know that they were exempt from having to get Obamacare, if you're a Muslim or a Hispanic, you don't have to you don't have to purchase the health care plan. Why is that? Your guess is as good as mine. I, I mean uh, really. Okay. And uh right right now here in Saint Louis, uh they're about to open one of the uh actual centers after the first of the year to bring in uh, uh, misplaced uh, refugees, and we're getting the influx right now. Now, from what we're understanding 
for when they get here, they're going to be given housing. They're going to be given. Uh, they're going to be given uh, medical uh, by the federal government as well as state and local levels. Uh, they're going to be given everything possible for them to have at the taxpayers' expense. Yet here in St. Louis, we had our mayor who actually, City Hall, his administration, actually tried to sue uh, Larry Rice, who runs the uh, Larry Rice uh, Evangelistic Center and Homeless Center for the homeless here in St. Louis. He was actually sued because he dared, dared, mind you, dared to bring in off the streets more homeless people, men, women, and children. And he was sued because he exceeded his his quota for how many people he can bring in. But yet we can uh, we can commandeer uh, buildings, open up centers for these refugees. Now you know they're running from uh, war torn areas. And my thing is, it's more of you than it is of ISIS. You know, you got ISIS beat thirty to one. Why don't you guys stand up and fight? Why do we because, have to be the police department for the whole entire world? Right. When we right. got problems right, right here right. in our own backyard. Yes, right. You know, and it, and, and it, it it amazes me that we can we can we can give out IRS bills to people saying you owe twenty three hundred in Obamacare back taxes because you did not purchase this plan that we required you to purchase. But yet in Illinois, we give immigrants without being uh, U.S. citizens, we give them driver's licenses. Mm -hmm. Now, how messed up is that? Exactly. Hey, in a few, in about about a minute or so, um, I'm going to have a friend of mine, uh, is going to be calling in. And he, as I was mentioning earlier, Vincent, before Peggy called in, my friend who's about to come in is one who is, let me just put it like this, if stuff hits the fan, I can tell you point blank, he's going to be one of those individuals who's on the front line. And here's... If you if you want to see Americans of all stripes come together really quickly, you let a major terrorist attack happen. I mean, a major, like massive, massive hundreds of casualties. You will suddenly see the lines of race, the racial lines suddenly will disappear because I'm telling and. Peggy, your evidence, uh, your evidence of this from your video, when because I still, I still remember that first video. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, it needed to be said, mm-hmm. and it's people. Not only what I love and admire about you, Peggy, is that not only did you talk the talk, but you're backing it up with. The, with the wall. You're seeking to come up with solutions, you know, because for so long, 
we've been expected to be silent, you know. Uh-huh. You know, people of color, we were expected to shut up, go along, and get along. We got to keep all That's our That's what my grandmother always house. used to say. To get along, to go along. To get along, you got to go along. That's what she always used to say. And she right. told me, never fall into that. Because when you do, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to be still in the same place that the rest of these exactly. people are. And, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, as, as the wife of a police officer, I know that, and, speak, and I want you to speak to this for a moment, I know it kind of upsets you when you would see the blanket statement that would indict all police officers for the actions of a few bad cops. Could you speak to that as the wife of a police officer? Uh, as and also as a former police officer, I, you know, you I, have, I, I I wore I, I wore the badge too. You were oh, a police officer. Really? Yes, oh, wow. I was. Oh well, uh, yes. wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out. I thought you was just. I know you said you. You told me you was in the military. I did not know you was a police officer too. I went into the military. I came out of the military. I took a job with the with the government, uh, with the Treasury Department. Okay, uh-huh. and worked in the uh, audit division and criminal investigations and all that crap like that. Did all that stuff wow. while I was working for the government. While I was working for the government, I had two daughters that are in college. So mm-hmm. I put myself through the academy, uh, and I became a police officer over here in Illinois. So when my husband was in Missouri, I had Illinois covered. So I was working part-time as a police officer for several years while I was working oh, for the wow. federal government. So I was working my full-time job, like 10 hours a day. And then from that job, I would leave and put on my uniform and go work for another six to seven hours and work three, four days, and every other weekend as a law enforcement officer, as a police officer over here in Illinois. I did that, too. So I know firsthand about corruption because I had a hand in putting two cops in prison. One is in prison right now for corruption. And Mm -hmm. there was no way I was going to allow somebody to abuse the badge that I wore, my husband wears, my brothers wear as police officers, as well as that my niece awesome. and nephew that are still cops in St. Louis. So that explains the, the, everything. The blue line runs deep in our that, family. That, oh wow! That right there, that right there explains everything right there. That, <laughs> so, yeah. the blue, wow! The blue line runs deep, and mm. wow. you cannot categorically put all police officers in a bad. There are bad everything. There's bad cops. There's bad doctors. Right. There's bad lawyers. There's bad priests. Need I say more? There's bad right. in every inherited <laughs> occupation. Yes. Right. And some police officers do not do not do not deserve to wear the badge and and walk walk the beat and drive the beat that my husband drives night after night as well as I did for, for several for several years. And it's wow. it's it's bad in everything. It's corruption in every aspect of every occupation. I mean, right. we had a football player that was involved in dog fighting, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, l- look at Jim Baker. <laughs> look at Jimmy yeah. Swagger. Look, yeah. look, look at the Pris. Look at the Pris. Look at the 
priest. Look at the priest to it. So mm-hmm. you, you cannot look at Charlie Sheen. You cannot right. sit up and say, you know, all cops are bad. All cops are out to kill us. They're not. They're not. Mm-hmm. Not all black right. people are, are hood rats. Not all black people are drug dealers. Not all black exactly. people are gang members. But right. that is what the perception is for black people. Right. That we do not speak up enough when things are wrong. When things are wrong in right. our community, we shut down. We shut up. We we and we shut down and we shut up. When we shouldn't shut up, we should be speaking right. out and saying, "Hey, this is wrong. This right. is not right." And we should hold those police officers who are doing wrong accountable. But in order to do so, you've got to do it together. Right. You've got to do it together. You cannot just say, you know, you wear a uniform, you're, you're just bad because you're a cop. You know, you're, you're all crooked. Right. No, you can't say that. I mean, look at the teachers. Right. Look at the educational systems. Teachers having sex with students left to right. I don't see any protest about that. I don't see any protest right. about that. Yeah. I don't see exactly. us going to the PTA meetings talking about uh, the, the, the sexual activities that are going on in school. I don't see any of that. Right. Night after night, right. I see these white teachers that are being locked up for having sex with students. I don't see white folks protesting, tearing down, and burning up Starbucks. Mm. But but right. let us have a problem, and we're going to shut down malls. We're going to shut down grocery right. stores. We're going to shut down an airport. Mm-hmm. So, and the you know. Thing, the best thing with that, Peggy, is that we're actually playing in to the hands of the liberal elite because because that's what we've been told. We're, so, we're such victims and that we can never get ahead. And that is a lie straight from the pits of hell. Look at your, you, your husband, y'all both are testament to that. Your brothers who are police officers, you know, that they're testaments to that. And um, this is a, this, this right here is a perfect segue for me to bring in my next guest because this is a gentleman I've been friends with on Facebook for over a year. And I'm going to tell you something. Him and his group, they are the kind of people, just like police officers, who, if mm-hmm. this crap gets the fan, they will be on the front line, right? They're supporting our first responders. And, um, you know, he was listening in because I asked him to listen in to the show because I wanted him. We've been Facebook friends for a year. He knows mm-hmm. I'm conservative. He knows I love this country. But I wanted him to see what, you know, what my message is about, the kind of people that I surround myself with. And so he's one of the good guys. He's on the he's on the side of the na- the nation, the people who care. And so let's, I'm going to bring him in. Sean, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, Thomas? I am doing very well, my friend. How are you down there in Arizona? I'm doing good. Hi, Peggy. I, I, I'm friends with you on Facebook, too. You know who I am, Sean Wilson. So Yes, I do. How are you doing? You, good you talk and I have spoke before. <laughs> How are you? Yes. Good. 
Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, as you know, I just moved here to Arizona three months ago. I left Washington D.C. to get away from the uh, get away from the lie pool and and move to free America. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I was so, working in D.C. I was doing uh, security for uh, for dignitaries and diplomats mm-hmm. and various important people in uh was- in the Washington DC area and uh, and abroad. Uh-huh. Um but I've since left there and now I'm out here um trying to start something out here doing something along along the same lines but uh yeah. you know just in a different location. I had to get away from DC. I couldn't take it anymore. Don't, don't blame you. That's two of us. I don't blame you either. I don't That's blame you either, Sean. I, I used to live up there too. That's two of us. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a I was a pillar in my community for a long time. Uh, I don't know if you guys know anything about Washington D.C., but uh, mm-hmm. I was a uh, policeman and a fireman in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is a ninety-five percent yeah ninety-five percent black community. Prince George's County. Yep. That's where I grew up, Oxon Hill. Fort Washington, uh-huh. Clinton. Yep, I used I used to patrol Marcy Avenue and uh, um, Bright Seat Road over by Landover Mall, and those oh were all my, my foot beasts. Yep, I worked <laughs> all the. I coached football and baseball wow. in Paul in Palmer Park, where Ray Leonard's gym was. Oh wow! Um, oh man! So wow. I, I. Yep. So I've I've. Uh, <laughs> That is so That's cool. That's funny, right? <laughs> that is, I mean, really. That is so cool. Um, so, Sean, um, one thing I want you—I want you to kind of speak to. I want—I I want you, as someone who's been in a position of security that's um, protecting dignitaries, um, I want you to kind of speak to your thoughts on, you know, the. Um, the Muslim invasion, let's just call it what it is. And I want to go back just for a moment because I don't know if y'all saw the headline, but it came out that uh, Nicholas Thessalonius, who was the Facebook friends to many of us, was the primary target in the San Bernardino terrorist attack. Nicholas was a Facebook friend of mine. And the fact that it came out, I don't know, for me, my blood was boiling when I saw that, when I saw that. And to know that uh, the administration shut down the means for the FBI to actually track these individuals. They were tracking those two. And the investigation was shut was shut down. Sean, I want I want I want your thoughts on, on the San Bernardino attack, everything else that's going on. You know, basically how basically we're being told that we can't hurt the feelings of Muslims because we're being mean. Speak to that. Well, I, I'm an intelligence student too, so I have some background in this. I'm, I'm going to school for intelligence and counterintelligence oh, okay. too, so um, I know I'm a subject matter expert on Islamic terrorism, um, but I, I don't have the credentials, so that's why I'm going back to school to get the credentials. But um, this whole thing with the terrorists, you know, 
Back in 2013, I took a little trip to the Arizona border. I was told that there were there were parts of or people associated with various uh, terrorist organizations coming across our border. Mm-hmm. Um, that there was a smuggling ring of Muslim, you know, getting Muslim people into the United States. So I did some research and you know read a couple books and some articles and journals about you know what's going down on the border. So I was getting all these stories from various sources about what's going on down there, and I didn't believe it. So I decided to save my money up and take a trip and find out for myself. So there's some organizations and groups that are working nonprofit and uh, volunteer groups that are working down on the border. So I did my research on the different groups and found one that, you know, I thought I could trust and wasn't some right-wing extremist, you know, nut job mm-hmm. group that was, you know, just was racist and didn't like Mexicans or whatever and they wanted to go down there and, you know, do something. So I found this group. It was called the Arizona Border Recon. I went down there. I spent three weeks on the border. Um, when I was down there... um I assisted in counter narcotics operations. Um, we assisted the border patrol. Now they assist border patrol unofficially. The the bureaucracy in Washington doesn't want anything to do with them, but the guys in the field love the guys' intelligence gathering techniques. Um, they were able to um, capture cartel radio traffic, something that they weren't able to do. Uh, and they were able to, um, you know, record and, you know, document all the traffic going on, learn the routes where the, you know, the drug mules were coming through and all that. But it wasn't just drugs that were coming across. They're smuggling people across the border too, and not oh, yeah. just not just not just Mexicans or other Spanish-speaking immigrants. There is a there is a smuggling ring for Muslims on the on our border, and there's a group that you know. <clears throat> if you know anything about the cartel, when they when they smuggle drugs across the border, you know you don't get your money until the drugs are delivered. When you smuggle people across the border, they have to pay first, so it's a very lucrative business for them. Yeah, the, and the and Muslims Yuma, Arizona is ground ground zero. Yes, and and when you when the, when the Muslims come are smuggled into the country, the price tag per head is thirty thousand to fifty thousand dollars a person. Wow! Wow! And they pay yes. up front. He is not joking. That is that is the god. That That's is the gospel because I've seen it firsthand in action. Yes. Go ahead. In so Yuma, there is a very lucrative business in smuggling Muslims across the border. <sighs> And they don't care whether or not they make it to their destination or not. As long as they get them across the border, they don't care. For all they care, they can drop them off on the other side, on the American side, and you're here, you find your own way. They got their money. They don't care. So that business is a lot more lucrative and a lot safer than smuggling drugs across the border. Mm. So there is a big, huge business on smuggling Muslims across the border and getting them in here to the United States. 
So do you think that the, the ISISs and the Al-Qaeda's of the world are not taking advantage of this? Oh, yes, they are. would be crazy to think that. <laughs> they caught a couple, uh, from what I understand last week reading the paper, they they <laughs> actually broke up a ring that was actually doing that. And I, I travel to San Diego a lot because my daughter is stationed out there. She's in the Navy. Her husband's a Marine. And uh, I don't like him because he's from Green Bay, not because he's white. He's from Green Bay, and I can't stand his guts. <laughs> so that's a different story. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, when I ride and I and I, I do my sabbatical, I'll rent me a Harley and I'll, I'll ride up the coast, come back and ride through Yuma. You get to Yuma, to the border, and that's uh, a marine testing ground where he works out yes. of. You get there. There is outside of three to ten miles, right on the Texas, it's called the Mexicali border, Mexico and Yuma, Arizona. They meet, they touch. As soon as you get to that ten mile mark, there are there are custom agents. There is border patrol agents on foot on foot patrol, horseback, motorcycles, dune buggies, jeeps, you name it, they're on it. They will make you get out of your car, open up your trunk. They slide up under your car. And do you know they make you open up your, your, your hood of your car to look at your engine? They have actually smuggled people inside the engines, the wall of the mm. car. Wow. That's how they get them in there. They have sewn Wait, people what? into the upholstery of the vehicles. Mm. I mean, it well. runs deep. It runs deep. Well, the area where I was working in Arizona is in between Yuma and Douglas, Arizona, and it's called Cocaine Alley. Yep. 65% of the narcotics that come into the United States come through this area of Arizona. There are is hardly any illegal immigration problems uh, with people smuggling, unless it's Muslims coming across the country, you know, coming into the country. Um, other than Mexicans or uh, or Mexican nationals coming into the country, this is not a route that they come because this is very desolate, rural desert area. People die out here because the the, the 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 weather and the extreme temperatures are worse than anywhere else on the border. Um, and it's very mountainous and very terrainy. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not an easy place to travel through, and that's why they choose that location to, to smuggle the drugs up to I-8, in, which is south of Phoenix. But that's also the route that's a distribution point for people and drugs because you can go east, west, north, or south from that location. So they take the drugs and the people by foot 80 miles into the United States from the border and then from that point on, they're carried either, you know, northwest, east, you know, wherever they're going to go from that point. Um, most of it's going to Chicago and New York and California from there. Right. Um, but the people, you know, too, the, the smuggling of, of the people coming that far to, the, to um, southern Phoenix also. Um, My question is, how are they going to invest? They're supposed to vest all these people before they let them loose on on America, and they said they have a vesting system. Now, we had the, and, and people don't seem to realize, we had the uh, Boston bombers, 
that that bombed the Boston Marathon, okay? Right. They also were supposed to be vested. They were never vested. Well, so you how know the, are you going to vest tens that? of thousands of people? You want to know the funny it? thing about that is, Peggy, though? Russian intelligence, the, the FSB, talked to our intelligence people and warned us about these two guys and mm-hmm. said, you need to put them on your radar, you need to watch them. Put they're them on extremists. the watch list. They're Chechnyans, and they're radicalized. Their family is radicalized. You need to keep an eye on them. They're trouble. They're going to be trouble for your country. Did we listen to them? No, we didn't. Nope. Did we listen they to 9-11? No, we didn't. They couldn't vet this lady coming from the, the, the San Bernardino shooter. They couldn't vet her properly. So what makes you think they can vet 100,000 Syrians I work I work at a place now where we have refugee workers working and the one guy that's working there says he's a Syrian refugee and he's not Syrian, he's an Iraqi. Because the guys mm-hmm. that work me the guys that work with me work in Iraq. Okay? They speak the the Arabic is is specific to the area. Iraqi Arabic is very distinct. This guy speaks Iraqi Arabic. And he was speaking it to the other people at work, and, and, and the one guy that works with me confronted him and said, I thought you were from Syria. Why are you speaking Arabic from Iraq, you know, in his native tongue? And he says, oh, you know the language well. He says, yeah, I worked there for five years. I think I know the language when I hear it. So, wow, they're not <laughs> vetting these people. But you got to understand the, the reasoning why all this is happening. And, then, and this is what I think everybody's missing. And the problems that we're having and all the things that are going on in our country now are intentional. Mm-hmm. We have a mass of people that are thinkers, people that think for themselves and don't listen to what our government – you have more people questioning our government and everything that's going on now in our society than ever before through social media and everything else. There's a reason why they want to bring all these people to this country. And I think everybody is missing that. There are people that are fanatics, fanatical people that, that you know, they're set on one thing. They're, they're not very educated people as that. So yeah. what can you do to uneducated people? You can oppress them. You can keep them in the dark and not, you know, they'll believe what you say. There's a reason why they want these people in the country because they don't want people to be able to think for themselves. They want people that are going to follow and not lead. And my 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 problem with this whole philosophy of what they're trying to do is how is it that we're going to pay for these people? We're paying for their medical, their room and board. We have church groups that are stepping up saying, "Okay, we're going to take some of the burdens. We're going to uh, we're going to." Arbitrarily, we're going to um, 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 adopt some of these these families, and we're going to help them. But my whole problem with this whole refugee influx is, okay, Mr. President, okay, Washington, I understand you want to help, and that's what America is based on. You know, everybody thinks that we are the country to go to, and you're going to have a better life. When the life here, we have police officers that are being executed. We have no respect for teachers. We have veterans sleeping on the streets, homeless, 
veterans that served this country and served this country well, and we're shutting down homeless shelters, but we're opening up refugee centers to help these people, but we're not helping our own. Mm. Yeah. So my we're, problem we're is our veterans let's fix us house first before we go and try to fix somebody else's house. Yeah. Yeah, we have our own problems to take care of. We don't need to take care of other people's problems. We have homeless children and homeless and hungry people here. Why aren't we spending that money that we spent on foreign aid on our own people? You know, I, I come from a very poverty-stricken area. I, You know, D.C. has a, a number of homeless veterans living on the streets in Washington. Lord and knows. you saw it every day. On the capital yeah. of our nation, our nation's capital, they're sleeping in the parks in front of the, the capital in the White House. Yes. He's not lying because I've been there last year for our family function, and they, it was rampant, and it was sad. And I saw a guy laying there in his marine coat, mm. in his medals, and he's laying there on a blanket. And I'm going, he's sleeping less than a block away from the White House, and we have a homeless veteran here, and that brought tears to my eyes, that this man served our country, but we're not helping him. Well, there's programs out there that they want help. In, you got two dozen veterans or more sleeping in Lafayette Park, which is the backyard from the White House. Yeah, right there across the street from the White House. <laughs> it, it's the park yeah. that sits. The only thing that divides the White House from this place is Pennsylvania Avenue, and that's it. Yep. And you have over two dozen veterans sleeping in this park a day. A day, veterans, but we, we want to bring over refugees and care for them. And I understand that they're 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 escaping war torn areas. But look, you outnumber ISIS thirty to one. Grow a set, do what you need to do, <laughs> and, and fight. But that's, that's right. Why, you know what, Peggy? That's my problem with all of this. You know, all these people are flocking here. Why aren't you guys standing up for your country? And fighting for what's yours, and and, and and making the country that you want, it, it all starts with an idea, and 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 with people having the heart and the will to stand up for themselves. So now you're coming here, not only you're burdening yourself, but you're burdening burdening every everybody else. You're going to give you're going to give a refugee family housing before you give that single mother who's been on waiting lists for less almost two years waiting for a place to stay in a homeless shelter, you're going to give that person, the refugee that just comes over here, in 30 days from now, they're going to be here, you're going to set them up in an apartment, but yet we got homeless families staying in the shelter, and our mayor here in St. Louis wants to shut down these centers. Mm-hmm. But you want to open up a center for the refugees and want us to flip the bill. That's not fair. That is un- that is that is unfair. That is I don't understand why more people are not outraged. But just like the black community, in order to go along, you got to get along. That whatever mm-hmm. is vice versa, get along, you got to go along, and just keep your mouth shut and let it let them do what they're going to do. But we have black families, single mothers that are in shelters that are on waiting lists, and refugees are getting priority first, and that is not fair. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's all it's all being done in the name of uh, of compassion 
And we we have this thing. It, 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 it's a sad state of affairs that we have this thing that we we think you know uh, the government the government is what is the catalyst of compassion. You know, people say, well, you know, if you're against the government helping out people, you know, uh, something is wrong with you. But it compassion does not come from the government. It comes from the people within the country. It comes from the it comes from normal everyday citizens like yourself and, and myself. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people, you know, and and basically what what's going on here is a lot of people are using common sense, but the government doesn't want you to use common sense. They want they right. want to be the ones to say that, hey, we're the ones that are the catalyst for uh, common sense. We're the ones that are the catalyst for intelligence. We're the ones that are catalyst for compassion. And see, this is the problem. Uh, we we have we have we we basically have made the government to be a god. We're a lot of us. We're like, okay, government is our god. Forget the 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 forget Jesus. Forget the uh, the, the the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Forget forget that. No, the government is our job. And if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I've actually heard people say that they actually approve of bigger government. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. The bigger government gets, the more intrusive it gets into our private lives. And I'm like, now, now, when, when I hear a person talking like that, something's, you know, uh, something's wrong with the gray matter up in their head somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm and I and I want to tell them do you, do you even hear yourself thinking, you know, a government and, and it's just I think George Washington made this statement. If I'm if I'm wrong, uh, just just correct me. But a government, uh, a government that uh, what, what do they say? Uh, a government that you allow to get uh, too big or whatever. Uh, oh, a government that you uh, allow to. Uh, uh, Oh gosh, I can't even remember it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but I know what you're saying, and yes, he did say it. Yes, yeah, he did say it. that. A government that can give you anything that you want can can also take away everything that you have. That that's what I was trying to say right there. You know, and I, I think yeah. George Washington made that made that statement. And we're we're letting the government get too big. It's almost like, and I don't know. If, uh, I'm pretty sure you all are uh, familiar with Godzilla. You know, <laughs> I mean. Basically, yep. the, the 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 government is supposed to be that little lizard. It's supposed to be a little lizard, but we've allowed the government to mutate and to become to this big, yeah to well, become this big indestructible this big indestructible monster. And you know, if you ever watch the Godzilla movies when Godzilla starts stomping the cities and they bring out their tanks and everything, and I'm like, why are you all bringing out your tanks? You know, it's not going to work against Godzilla. You got to use something different, you know. <laughs> but we've allowed the government to get so big that it's almost gotten it, it, it's almost gotten indestructible in in some aspects. And if we don't do something about this, reduce the size of government. Get government out of our private lives. Stop, you know, the overtaxing, the overregulations, and everything. I'm, I hate to say, you know, honey, it, you're it, preaching. It, you're preaching to the choir because I worked for the IRS for almost seventeen years. So if anybody oh, knows I'm, about taxation, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, really. well, well, the whole problem with government in our country is that they're dictating to us when we're the ones that should be dictating to them. Exactly. They work for us. Exactly. We don't work for them. 
that's the statement I made in my video. We don't work for you. You work for We're us. It is us that put them. you into office to take to 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 well, well, what's the right word I want to use? We put you there in order to serve our wishes and what we want right. our You're America to be. You're supposed to represent. It's supposed to be a representative. Be a representation. You're supposed to represent right. the people. But yes, it's not right. anymore. It isn't anymore. It's, it's shoving see, it down the, our throat. This is what we're going to have. Big, this is what we're going to give you, and you're going to like it. This yeah. is the big lie that they fed America, that we're a democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a republic. There's well, a let difference me ask you between question. a republic and a democracy. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Like everybody else, we had a first black president, first black candidate for president that everybody thought, you know, we we had Jesse Jackson who tried to run in the Rainbow Coalition. We're not even going to go there. But we had yeah. other people that tried to run, and this, this president comes along, and he gives us hope. Now, in doing so, everybody jumps on the bandwagon and votes for him because they see change. Do you think, and, and looking back now, would you vote for him knowing what the country was going to become now? Because to me, we have become more divided as a country yeah. on a racial level, on an economic right. level, on a morals level. We, on a principle level, we have become more divided than we were before we had our current president. And maybe it's yeah. me thinking outside the box, but that's what I see. That is what I perceive, and that's what I've been, you know, everybody's been telling me. It's it, it, He hasn't brought us together. It feels like he's actually pulled us apart. He has. Hey. He's, divided. he's been the great divider of this country, and that's no doubt. And But just to answer your question, Peggy, um, I never voted for the guy. And it had nothing to do with color. It had nothing to do with anything because when Colin Powell said he was going to run for president and he was going to run as an independent, I went and changed my my party affiliation because I wanted to vote for him in the primaries when the when, oh, the, when the rumor me was too. Up I, I, that he I wanted was going to run. So it had nothing to do with color, but I knew who Obama was before he even got elected as president. And that's right. the reason why, and that's the the ideology and, and, and the agenda that he had, I didn't want no parts of it. You had to look at the company he kept before he was president. It would tell yep. you everything about him. Mm-hmm. People like Bill Ayers and, and, yep. and, and Saul Linsky being his... It, these are people that you don't want. Isn't it funny that Russia is now or resembles old America and America resembles the old Soviet Union? Yeah. Isn't, isn't it funny that, that that's happening? And there's a reason why, because there was an agenda for the last 60 years to make it that way. It's been going yeah. on since World War II. Mm-hmm. And people don't know this. These are things they're not speaking of. People do not know the truth. Do you know why? Because people can't handle the truth. And right. unless it affects people directly where people are standing in line for food or they start taking away your cars or stay, start taking away your freedom, and it's You know who he was running with when, when he was a senator, don't you, the state senator? He was running with our former government, our governor, Bogorovich, who's now in federal prison. Yeah. Right. Now, when Bogorovich was running for, for, for governor 
of the state of Illinois, he came to our church with then Senator Obama from from Springfield, and I got a chance to talk to him, and I got a chance to meet him when he was just a state senator. And I told my husband, my husband was all enthralled with him. Oh, he's gonna, you know, that dude's gonna be president. And I said, honey, I I, I gotta, I I I don't think. I would really vote for this guy, you know. And my husband had said, well, you know, he's black. I said, honey, black has nothing to do with it. It's yeah. the qualifications. And I said, and that guy, I said, he just strikes me. Something's just off. Mm. And looking forward eight years now, you know, we are more divided as a country. And and it's it's just sad. It really is. But you Everybody still have people no- praising him as a god. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You and everybody was up his butt at church, and I'm going, he's just a man. He's not walking on water. He's not making wine. I mean, come on. I know he's a brother, <laughs> but come on. <laughs> but he really hasn't done anything for the black community in the United States. Nothing at all. Period. Have you seen no, Chicago? What's that? Have you seen Chicago lately? Mm. The people in Chicago <laughs> don't like Obama. Yeah, they don't like him. They don't like him anymore. They do not like Obama. Yeah, they oh, don't hell, like he him threw anymore. Ron Emanuel under the bus. All this crime oh, that's yeah. going on, and Ron oh, Emanuel yeah. contacted him. And you know what? This is a man that helped get him elected and got him in the White House twice. And but you're see, throwing this man under the bus, and you act like you don't even know him. Mm-hmm. That 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 is the agenda of the Democratic Party, though. When when things start falling apart, they start throwing each other under the bus. This is what's happened in democratic in democrat government from the get go. You know, when when things start falling apart and people start finding out who they really are, they start throwing each other under the bus, and that's exactly what's happening now. They're losing control because people are becoming aware of what's going on. People are no longer sleeping and walking like sheep anymore. People are waking up and finding out what the truth is, and they're, and they're starting to see what, the, what their real agenda is. You know, I, I was saying it 10 years ago, and everybody said to me, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're a lunatic, you're a conspiracy theorist, and I'm like, no, I'm not. And now these people are apologizing to me and saying, wow, you are so right. We should have listened to you. Well, you know, but I blame everything that's going on in America right now. You have to blame it on ourselves. We can't yeah, blame exactly. it on anybody because we've allowed this to happen. We've been asleep at the wheel. We've allowed them yeah. to take control, and we've allowed them to do what this is. You know what's going on. We keep voting the same people in. What do you expect? Where where the problem? Not them. They're only doing what we allowed them to do. Now they're in control, and, you know, we don't have any control of what they do. So it's our yep. own faults. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's up to the people to bring it back. And people yep. need it. Now is moving a lot faster than it's ever moved. And, and, and Valerie Jarrett said best, you haven't seen anything yet. Mm. Wow. She said that. Those are her words. Quoted by the Washington Post, you have not mm-hmm. seen anything yet. And I Wonderful hear that the worst is to come. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so, too. I, I yeah. think I think this is but, just a precursor of what, what 
is about to come with all these refugees and the economy being the way it is and the inner question, city. It's crazy. The question, um, sorry about that, um, Peggy. The question, though, that has to be asked, the worst is yet to come for who? Because, see, here's the thing. The problem that they have, they can make all the laws that they want and sign the executive action all that they want, i.e., the president just signed the executive action today banning the um, bullets for the AR-15, the 5.56-millimeter mm-hmm. round. He just wow. signed that today. Wow. On a Sunday. Do they really, <laughs> do they really think that's going to because when they try to, when they push that button, I'm going to tell you something. And it's like you said, Sean, and, and you can speak to this, Ben, that um, you're in intelligence and counterintelligence. You know, the funny thing about it, they think that they are watching, that they're watching us yeah. and that they're doing things clandestine. They don't realize we know where every single terrorist training camp is in this country. And mm-hmm. contrary to what they think, they have, they're have they being watched. And am I right or wrong in what I'm about to say? We have people in our intelligence who you can consider dark or yeah. black, black, black ops who are watching those individuals. And and at the end of the day, they are the tip of the spear. And when it goes down, when whatever goes down, goes down, they're not going to take this country. That's what they're thinking, that they're talking about taking it from within. Well, Nikita Khrushchev, when he made that statement, the way we'll destroy America is by destroying America from within, and they they set out the Solovinsky tactics of taking over education and government and da 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 da. The problem that they have is that over that roughly fifty percent of this nation is just mining that rhetoric, and that's roughly a hundred and fifty million people. So, well, where the same where the same thing the Japanese that? emperor said, you know, behind every blade of grass. There'll be a firearm and, a, and an American yeah. with a gun in his hand. You're not going to mm-hmm. have to worry about the military doing anything. In, over the Christmas break, 300 million or 300,000 firearms were sold just over the Christmas break. Right. The, they've broken <laughs> records with the FBI background checks with, with buying weapons. People are no longer asleep. People know that something is getting ready to happen. And I honestly yeah. believe, and you could call me a tinfoil hat or conspiracy theorist, I've been called it before, but I've been right about everything I've said. I don't think we're going to have a 2016 election. I honestly don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I honestly <laughs> believe that there's going to be an event that happens within the next year that we are not going to have a 2016, whether it be World War. Now, it happened in one presidency. There's only one president in our whole history of the United States that suspended the elections and was able to remain in power because of World War. And that was Daryl Ford, wasn't it? Uh, it was no, who? it was Hoover. Hoover. 
Oh, Hoover. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh so man! I honestly believe you know it, it, that, that something is is going to happen, and because things are moving way too fast, and there's too much happening, there's too many scandals. It's just way out in the open for the, you know, the corruption, and and it's like they don't care, and they want you to see it coming. They're like it's like they're pushing for an event to happen in this country. They want people to get mad and act, and if that happens. You know, God help America because, um, you know, I I had a, a very prominent um, Democratic um, person from you know the Democrat side from the left side. I had dinner mm-hmm. with him a couple of years ago in a in, in a restaurant in D.C. and I was asking him, look, he knows things are screwed up. He said, there's no way this economy will ever get fixed. And I was like, well, then how do we fix it? He says the reset button. The only way to fix America is to start over. This is coming wow. from the left, mm-hmm. and something yeah. that's very well known to the Clintons, very well known. He worked with, you know, with Reagan and everything during the uh, when they collapsed the the communist uh, regime and and the Soviet Union collapsed. This is a guy that was a, a broker and all that, and he's telling me. The only way things are ever going to get fixed in this country is there's a reset. Mm-hmm. And you know what that means. Yeah. yeah. So, yep, a new, a new American revolution. And, mm-hmm. and this is what I say. This is what I say. And a lot of people, when I share this with people, they just kind of look at me and raise an eyebrow. But I, I say, one, the extreme... The extreme left, I mean the hardliners, the communist, socialist, Marxists, they don't want a, they don't want another American revolution because if there is, their their security, their little security that their billions, they they invite in protection, when they, those people, when they see the sheer numbers in a force, they will abandon their posts. They will abandon them in a moment. Just like Mark Zuckerberg, he's worth $19 million now. He's, you know, he's extreme. He censors, he censors uh, conservative thought, any, anything that speaks out against the president. He censors. He thinks he's untouchable. Well, he's untouchable at this point because most people have not, Realize that, first of all, as a publicly traded company, because Facebook is no longer privately held, it's publicly traded, they can't discriminate, they can't censor someone's thought. But people are looking at Facebook as this big behemoth that can't be challenged because they want point five billion users worldwide. Oh, if 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 you if you um siphon three million users, legitimate users, away from Facebook, you would tank their stock. A lot of people don't understand that. It doesn't take sheer no it doesn't take massive numbers. But what it's gonna take, it's gonna take a strategic plan on our part. And it and it's not just physical. It's gonna take spiritual. It's gonna take it's gonna take the community of faith across the board. Because 
as you say, Sean, you know, this stuff is happening. And I said that, and Peggy, I'm with you. But I must I must let you in on a little something. Barack Obama wasn't our first black president. <laughs> there were two there were two before him. Do you know who those well, I, two I were? Well, I know that Clinton asked more black than anything, and then you have JFK, and you have Clinton. Nope. It'll surprise you. Okay, what is that? I'm a history buff, too, and I'm a history major. Abraham Lincoln had black blood, and so did Dwight B. Eisenhower. Oh, really? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Most people don't know that. But well, don't get me started the, on 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 civil war history because you know what I I I would slap people upside the head with that. I have I have a lot of of my radical black people that tell me you know about slavery and how bad slavery was, and I'm like, how do you know? Have you ever talked to anybody that talked to anybody that was a slave? Right. How do you know how bad it was? Oh, I watched Roots. Really? Okay. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that slaves were still allowed even after the Civil War, and the only race of people that were allowed to keep slaves after the war were who? The American Indians. The Native Americans. But you know what kills me about it? We are about to, we're about to, in the city of St. Louis, we're about to dismantle a Civil War statue standing for 112 years, okay? It's in our park, it's in our forest park, and they're about to take it down, okay, because they said it's a remnant of slavery. However, there is an amusement park, not amusement park, but it's like a zoo, a petting zoo. It's called Grant's Farm. It's it's actually owned by the Bush family that owned Anheuser-Busch, okay? They're selling Uh it to MBEV. MBEV is in turn giving it to our zoo to turn it into a bigger venue. A lot of people don't understand during that Civil War period that Ulysses S. Grant, that fought for the North against slavery, owned 50 slaves at the time that the Civil War was taking place on Grant's farm. But they're taking down a statue in Forest Park, but we're going to turn Grant's farm into a family venue and 50 slaves work there during the Civil War. But we're not shutting down that park. She's telling the truth, folks. The the agenda behind all that is because it's all a part. I don't know if you guys have ever written the, the, the written uh, re- read the book, the Communist Manifesto. There's there's twelve steps in that book, and the last step is normalization. Okay, but another one of those steps is demoralize and you take away nationalism out of the country, where you, you your national identity. They're trying to erase everything that resembles America, that, that's built our history and is, is making America to what it is because once you do that, then people forget who, what America was and is, you know. And what's You're taking be next? A, well, I mean, what, what, we, we know what's now. Now what? Social, socialized medicine was the first thing that, that the Soviet Union did to, it, 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 to incense um, um, socialism and, and socialism is a tool of uh, to achieve communism. Okay, and people don't realize that socialized medicine what was is what was used in the Soviet Union to 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 inter to insect 
uh, interject socialism into the communist, you know, Soviet Union. It's what started it. It's the beginning of it. But people it's don't like realize communism is like, a utopia. It doesn't work. It's like everything it is offensive work. to us as a black American now. Everything is offensive to us. I mean, they got a petition at the college to 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 do away with the song White Christmas, not knowing that White Christmas is about snow. Okay, if you ever watch the movie, it's about a place in Vermont that went without snow for several years. And they wanted a white Christmas, and that's what the song is about. They're thinking it's about the population and glorification of of glorifying white people. No, it's fools about snow. Well, it it, it all goes... It all goes back to what I was talking about with Saul Linsky and the Communist Manifesto, divide and conquer. If if you can divide the people in this country, in this country, then you can conquer what uh, agenda that you're trying to achieve. And they have an agenda they're trying to achieve. And the only way to do that, you know, I, I made this comment to one of my friends the other day. I just wish another 9/11 would happen. Not. Not in the fact that the tragedy happened, but look how it brought people together. Yeah. Look yeah. how look how solid and how unified our country was during nine eleven. And look what happened to Black, San Bernardino. White. It brought it brought it brought a great understanding to why the police are needed and why the police need to have the body armor and also the the equipment that they need to deal with terrorists like this. And after that, my my girlfriend told me who lives out there, she said people were bringing cops donuts, coffee, bringing them food, bringing things to the police station because they realized, hey, you know what? We need these cops. We need these cops. Right. Right. And I understand that it takes a tragedy for that to be realized, and you're absolutely right. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing uh, I, I, I make a habit of doing here in uh, Durham, North Carolina, uh, my wife and I, we, we went to the mall today. You know, my wife wanted to go out shopping, so, hey, <laughs> had to listen to the wife. But uh, Yeah, um, you better go, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but we went to the mall here, uh, South Point Mall, and uh, when I was about to cross the street into the mall, uh, I saw Durham uh, Sheriff's deputy sitting in his car, just sit beside the beside the mall, and I make this a habit a lot of times. If I can, I come up to them and I shake their hand and I say, "Sir, uh, I know you all don't get the appreciation that you deserve, but I just want to tell you that I appreciate the job that you do." You know, uh, I've I've had them say, "You know what? I needed to hear that." Uh, sometimes I don't think people appreciate me, but I, I because I don't see them as the bad guy. This black guy, look. I've been pulled over by the police several times. And, yes, every last one of them were white. But guess what? The reason why I got pulled over was because I broke the law. Exactly. My my stickers weren't uh, up to date. Uh, My light was too bright or something like that. Every time I got pulled over, I got pulled over because I broke the law. And one thing I get sick and tired of hearing is when people say, that, uh, you know, if you're a black person, you know, there, there's going to be a time to come when they're just going to pull you over just because you're black. Now, I can guarantee you 
the people who say that, they say, yeah, I got pulled over because I was black. I got pulled over because I was black. I guarantee you, if I can dig deeper into them, they got pulled over because they did something that broke the law. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how right. minor it was. I don't care how minor it was, but they did something. A police officer isn't just going to go out there and say, oh, look, a black person. Let's pull them over, you know. Exactly. I, never, I have never had I, – I, I just turned 47 years old. Now, folk tell me they, they, I told this to uh, some folks one time. They said, "Oh, you ain't been driving uh, a long time." I said, "I just turned forty-seven years old," and they're like, "What? You ain't been pulled over?" No, I got pulled over because I broke the law. And yeah, every last cop that pulled me over was white. But you know what? I can't sit there and say, "Oh, you just pulled me over because I'm because I'm black." You know, no, I got pulled over because I broke the law. Right. <laughs> yeah. My husband told me the other night that that uh, he was approached by uh, uh, two individuals. And he said they were black, and they walked up to him, and they said, uh, "I know we, you don't, you know, they always talk bad to you, cops, you know." He said, well, "We just," he said, "These are young, young, young teenagers," and he said, "They said thank you for keeping our streets safe, and we watched you work all the time, and you, you, you are never mean, and you're always respectful." To, mm-hmm. to anybody you come across. And yeah. I said, how did that make you feel? And he said, it made me feel like that I, I need it. Mm-hmm. And this you is know the man that been through the Ferguson riots. Yeah, See, yeah. those people that are causing the problems in this country for the police, they're a minority of people. And, and not, I'm not talking about a minority as in as a race. They're a minority of people that, that, that are causing, they're a small minute of the population that are making a lot of noise. The silent majority of the people that live in this country are what matters. The people that yeah. don't say anything, they're the ones are, that, that, that know that the police matter, and, and they outnumber those people that are causing the problem and talking out against the police and everything. They outnumber them 10 to 1. So uh, and, uh, and a lot of those say, people have criminal records themselves, and they had brushed with the, they had run into with the law. Those are the ones that I'm finding now are the ones that are 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 always, you know, the hard that that are pretty much indignant to the cops, like the guy yeah. that shot and killed the the Kentucky state trooper. He was actually from Ferguson. He was one of the Ferguson protesters, protesters and rioters who was being investigated for arson. And he ended up killing a cop in Kentucky in, in September, and they killed him. Mm. And he had such a long record. This man was arrested over 30 times in two wow. years. Mm. But that's, but that's yeah. what I want to know. Why, why is it that we, we make a big deal about the people that are not doing right in this country, and then when you have innocent kids like the little girl in Chicago that gets killed from a drive-by, and nobody says, this is what angers me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to let you guys know something because you guys don't know this. I have a biracial daughter. I have a half black and half white daughter. I am mm-hmm. not racist. I never have been. I've dated and was married to a black woman all my life since high school. I, I, mm-hmm. I've only dated a white woman twice in my whole entire life. Okay. But for the life of me, so I'm very, and I was very proactive in the black community. I told you, I, I coached baseball and football in an all-black community. Ray Leonard's community of Palmer Park in Prince George's mm-hmm. County is, yeah. is 100% black. 
okay? Yeah. And it's probably the worst neighborhood in the United States. And you know what? It has a police station right in the damn middle of it. Okay. Uh-huh. Wow. And it's and it's the most violent and most ferocious neighborhood in the country. But my thing is that I don't understand why people, more black people in the community like you guys, are not talking and, and speaking common sense about oh, I can tell you why. what the I truth can tell you is. Why. I can tell you why, because when we get to talking, and I, I get this a lot, when we get to talking, we get to pointing out the problems that are uh, happening within our communities. We get called Uncle Toms and, and Uncle Ruckus and, and sellouts. And that and angers me. Yeah, and I yeah, had a guy yeah. that told me today that wrote me on Facebook today and told me, he said, I don't appreciate you telling all our business and pointing out our problems. And I was thinking about the Tyler Perry character, Madeer, and what he said was, she said was, nothing can heal if you keep covering it up. My grandmother right. used to say that same thing. She had that same philosophy. We cannot heal as a community, as a country, as a race of people until we address and hit it head on. It mm-hmm. is epidemic that we have all this black-on-black homicide. And, mm-hmm. and when I said we have become a murderous race, and they said, how dare you say that about our race, that you're making us look bad? No, I'm not making you look bad. You see, I'm at home in the home that I bought with my money, my earned dollars, my education. I did what I was supposed to do as a mother. It is you that make people, that make us look bad because of the fact that you are going along with this rhetoric. You are going mm-hmm. along and showing everybody that we, we are a bunch of ignorant so-and-sos. Mm-hmm. Every time you pick up a gun, like this fool picked up a gun at the mall, and his parents are going, well, you know, I knew he had a gun, but, you know, he's not crazy. You've got to be crazy if you're walking around arrested 13 times and you shot a 12-year-old child in the leg, mm-hmm. and, and you surprised that he ends up in a box. This and, is why, why, why can't there be more honest, open dialogue conversations like we're having now between black and white in this country? Why is black and white so polarized in this country? That's what and I want to know. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, can't, I don't know the answer to that. Ignorant. And I'm searching for the answer for that for a long time. Well, Peggy it's just the said ignorance. Right there. There you go. There you go. Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm just going to be straight up and honest with you. Most of my problems haven't come from white people. It's come no. from other black people. Most of my problems yep. that I see that are going on, I don't have a problem with white people. Most of the problems, 99% of the people who have given me problems in my entire life have been black. black people. They have been black yep. people. You know, and see, this is the – and. We need to we need to stop this circling the the the, the wagons uh, mentality. We need to stop that crabs and in the barrel. To, yeah, exactly. And we need to right. we need to point out and we need to be honest with ourselves. That's the problem in the black community. We're not being honest with ourselves. We can point out. We can show the video that shows Michael Brown strong arm in that convenience store. And we get mad and say, oh, y'all just trying to make Michael Brown look bad. Oh, baby, he wasn't strangling him. He was straightening his collar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, but it wasn't us making – it wasn't anyone making Michael Brown look bad. If Michael Brown was stupid enough to go into that store, strong on robbery, without realizing that he's being filmed, guess who made himself look bad? It was Michael Brown. You know, but – 
we, a lot of us in the black community, we don't want to point that out. We don't want to be honest with ourselves. And this is the main problem, and it goes right back to what Peggy said. It goes to ignorance. It goes right back to ignorance. And it's not just, it's not just uh, 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 random ignorance. It's willful ignorance. They don't want to know anything. Yeah, it's willful ignorance. They don't want to know. They don't want to see themselves in a negative light. They oh, when you say anything negative about black folks, oh no, 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 oh no, you're just trying to be a sellout. No, no, uh, uh. This is what I see with my own eyes. Look, this is what my grandmother used to. My not my grandma. My husband used to come home and say, "Baby, I arrested all these people. They're acting a fool." And he said, "You know what? You know what's wrong with our people?" I said, "What's that, honey?" He said, "We want to be right in our wrongness." Exactly. Even when we know we're wrong, we want to be right. We want to be right in our wrongness, even know we're wrong. We know we're wrong. Called dead to right. Got you on television. You know, yeah. got you on, yeah, on, 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 on cell phone, chit-chat, you know. It, 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 but yet we want to believe that this person, Mike Brown, was, was this, he was going to college. He was, he yeah. was, he was, he was, he was preaching uh, out of the Bible. He was fellowshipping with his, his, his fellow man, and, and then the pictures came up, and he's throwing up gang signs wearing red and white, wearing red. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, and the he picture was a they want to guy. show of him is a picture of him when he was 12. At 12 years old, this fool was six foot tall. At 18 years old, this man is standing six four, six five, three hundred and eighteen pounds. Not as big as me. <laughs> He's a big guy. Yeah. So mm. you know, come on, people. Yeah. We want to be right in our wrongness. Yeah, we 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 need to we we need to wake up. Uh, the black community really does need to wake up. Uh, and and this, this is why I'm so passionate about this thing, because I've seen this going on basically all my life, you know, uh, growing up and whatever. And I, look, when, when I went to uh, uh, PG County schools, at the time I went was in the 80s, was like in the uh, early to mid 80s. And, well, it, it was from, well, it was basically from the uh, early 70s into the mid 80s. I graduated in 1986. But at the time that I was going there, the PG County schools were pretty much uh, even. They were pretty much half and half. It was pretty much, right. you know, half black, half white. And right. my thing is that experience has shown me I've seen the good and bad in both sides. And I, w- I like to say to my black brothers, rascals, y'all have no business talking about anybody. You have no business talking about anyone because – you know, I, I've, I've seen how black people can be. I've experienced it myself. This is not just something that I just picked up off of Fox News like they try to say. They, they, they like to throw that at you. Oh, you're just getting your information from Fox News. Rascal, my experience goes way beyond Fox News. I got my experience way beyond long before Fox News ever came into existence. So don't tell me this garbage right. about Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and all that, all that mess, you know, because I've seen this stuff myself with my own eyes and this is the reason why I I'm a person I like to deal in truth. I don't like to, you know, say, okay, let me just put on the blinders. I'm just gonna see what I wanna see. Now sometimes right. when the truth hurts sometimes. Sometimes it's painful to admit that you've been wrong for twenty, thirty something years and you're like, okay, you know, I believe this way for so for so long, but now I'm starting to see something different. 
you know. And me, I'm not too proud to to say that. Hey, if the truth is revealing something that I believe in to be wrong, then I'm going to go with the truth. I'm not just going to sit there and hold to my opinion or hold to my belief system and everything. I'm going to hold to the truth, and that is what a lot of people in the black community need to do. We need to understand that we're no longer living in the uh, civil rights era. We're not. We're no longer living in the '60s where where they had the separate the separate bathrooms and everything. You know, well, see, that we're, is we're, what we're, they're trying to. That is what exactly what they're trying to do. That is exactly exactly the way I see it. All this separation. We we want to we want to have our own student council. We want to have our own president to represent us. We want our own this. You're going back to Jim Crowism is what yeah, you're doing. Right. And when I right. when I explain to these kids what Jim Crow is, they tell me, uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't never happened. Oh yes, it has. Go look it up. Jim Crowism, that is exactly what you're wanting. You want to separate everything based on race, and that's exactly what Jim Crowism is, separation of race, separation. Separate, but they said separate at the time, but equal. It was never equal, but it was always separate, and that's exactly what they're going back to, and they're too stupid to realize they're undoing everything for the last 50 years that our grandparents and our grandparents and our parents before us has fought yep. for us to have, they're trying to undo it. Yep. Yep. And that is right. the ignorance of it all. Their ignorance is going to be their own undoing. Yep. <laughs> well, and not only that, but it, now, now it's you know, we we've come so far in the last since since the civil rights era, and now it just seems like we've lost all that. The momentum is gone. And we've gone backwards, and now you have people being openly racist to one another, and and it's on both sides. I, I'm not standing oh, yeah. up for white people either, because there there are still people in this country that are white that are racist, and you know I'm I'm not afraid to let people know of my own race. You know I I, I actually in, in the mid '90s, uh, you know, knocked out my foreman on a job site because he called me a nigger lover. Oh, wow. And I was like, you said, say that word again? What did you say? And and he said it. And I was like, you know what? And I told him before I did it, I says, you know what? You might as well just call to the office and get my check ready because I'm about to do something stupid. And well, I, I did, did the same thing. I, and, and when I was in the Navy, I was down in the Biloxi, Mississippi, and I had on my naval uniform, and I had a white man call me a nigger. And I'm in this uniform. I'm in this uniform, dress blues, and this man just called me the N-word, and I'm protecting your rights to call me that name. Right. And I just looked at him, and I just looked at him, and I didn't say anything, and I just walked past him, and he said it again. And no sooner did he, before he can get the, the ER out of his name, he had a, he had a Marine with his fist down his throat. Oh. And it was a white guy. And he said, when you call her name, you call her that, you call me that. And I told him, you didn't have to do that. He said, no, you don't understand. He said, my wife is black. And if you're going to disrespect this woman because of her race, you're going to disrespect my wife. And he knocked the crap out of this guy. Wow. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) And he knocked the crap out of him. He said, you never know who is among you when you say those kind of things. Exactly. And you know what, um, you you guys, this show, this has been a phenomenal show. My shows have always been the best when I do them 
doing spontaneous. Oh, sorry about that. Have music popping up. But um, we we have to keep things going, and we have to work together to come up with solutions. Sean, Peggy, Vincent, myself, Mary, my mother from another part of the world in the room. We have to we have to work together and come up with solutions because we know the pro we know the problem. The reason why I connected with Sean tonight was because I was asking him about, you know, training me in some things. And when I'm going when I go to Arizona, I'm gonna be prepared. I'm not gonna be caught unawares. And you know Regardless, we have to we have to be a unified force because the greatest if you really wanna scare the enemies of this nation you show a unified force of culture. And the term Amen. white race, black race, though that the term race to refer to the different cultures is actually inaccurate. The actual yeah. term is we are many people of different race. cultures who all belong to one race, the human race. Human. We, we are Amen. cultures and subcultures. And so, Amen. you know, when I I thought, when I, I checked out Sean's picture, his picture looked so cool, but most a lot of people in our community have been taught if you see a big strapping white boy with a gun, he's racist. Something told me something told me different about when when I reached out to Sean. Something just said reach out to him. And I did. Why? Because there was something about just looking at his picture, there just there was just something there. And I don't know what it was. But now hearing him speak, it, it's like it all connected. Now, be that as it may, this show has been so awesome. Anybody up to doing a part three? You know, well, uh, I, I, I I won't do exactly a part three. You know me, Thomas. This is something that I, I – this is my passion right here. You know, I, I, I talk about this type of stuff on my show all the time, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I tend to get a little passionate if we sometimes. Get, if we get cut off, if we get cut off, Blog Talk Radio did it because they cut us off last night. But if yeah. we get cut off, well, actually, wow, they gave us some um, – they gave us some recording time. Are you guys still there? Oh yeah, yeah I'm here. If you, if you guys oh, wow. if you guys call me, give me a heads up and let me know because I have to I have to I have to fit my schedule around my husband's schedule. Right. And being right. a wife uh, a cop uh, a wife of a cop, you have to know your schedule is never yours. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Well, but I I'd be more I than really... willing to come back on and then do it again too. Uh, just let me know and I'll be more than happy. Um. All my friends have been saying, you know, they've counted America out, and and they're just waiting for the le the other shoe to drop. I'm a little more, yeah. 
optimistic. I still have hope in America, and I still want I America too. to succeed, and I want it to be what it used to be. Um, so I'm I'm holding out, and I, I'm I'm I want to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. I want to unify Amen. people and bring people together. So anytime you want me to come think. on, I'll come on. Me yeah. too. Absolutely. Yeah, I just want people to think. I just want you to think. I want you to. Think about some of the things before, you know, my my goal is to make people think, to say the stuff that people want right. to say but are afraid to say, and maybe it, it holds more weight coming from a black individual, from a black woman that has seen it across the board in the military right. and everything else in private lives as a law enforcement officer who has that experience on the street. I just want people to think and be responsible yeah. and accountable for their actions and stop making excuses. Maybe it's just you that's messed up. Right. That is, you know, and that is so on point because my heart, just like the heart of everybody here, and Vincent has no, has known me longer, so he can tell you, I am a unifier. I seek to yeah. unify people, not divide people. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you all a story. I've had three family members when I was growing up, because I grew up in a foster care system. So these were family members, part of my foster care and adoptive system that I was part of. They were murdered because they were black. As a young child, I was posed with, I faced a mental question as a kid. No one was talking, keep in mind, no one was talking to me about racism. But here's, here's what I face. Do I blame an entire culture of people, the white culture, for the actions of the few white racists that killed my family then? And my question, my answer to that was no. Now, granted, because I was a child, um, my 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 foster cousin was killed in Overland Park, Kansas. So, granted, as mm-hmm. a child growing up, I was afraid to go there because I was thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna get lynched." I wasn't I wasn't thinking, "Oh, the entire white culture was going to lynch me." It was just it was just the location of where that event took place. It wasn't about the people, it was the place. But as I got older and I watched things and I saw the hypocrisy, I'm like, wait a minute. They're talking about white people racist, but they're doing racist things to white people and the whole big hypocrisy. And so I was like, you know what? I can't be down with anybody because everybody's racist. Uh I the whole premise of hating someone on the basis of their skin color just irritated me because as you, Peggy, and Vincent both succinctly put, it was our own culture who treated us the worst growing up. Yes, white people treated me bad. People were just mean. And my own culture treated me even worse. So, therefore, if I was to be a hater, I had to be an equal opportunity hater, meaning I hated everybody. So, And that's what I, I tell people. People that, tell me, well, you're, you're racist because 
you you you're always talking about bad about black people. You don't like black people anymore. You're 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 not one of us. You don't like black people. And I I look at them and I go, it's kind of hard to do when my husband's black, my children are black, my mother's black, my brothers are black. (laughs) I've been married to a black man for 27 years now. And when I first came on the scene, the first thing they said was, "Oh, look at this on her Facebook page, my Facebook page. Oh, look at her. Her husband, her her husband is a white man. That's why she feels that way." I'm a biker, dude. I was hugging another biker at a veterans rally in Sturgis, and they automatically assumed my husband was 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 a white man. And when I threw up the picture, here's my husband. That's a hell of a tan he's got. Black man, they were like, oh, that's funny. They were like, oh, oh her husband funny. is black, you know. And I, I get that a lot. I, I get the fact that you know people think that I'm because the way I sound, the way I talk. I grew up in the hood. I don't sound like I came from the hood. But when you have a grandmother who is all about uh, speaking proper education. English right. and education and an opportunity of being in the military and traveling, you know, I don't have to say every other word. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. No, I don't know what you're saying because you haven't said anything. Right. We've got to start educating our children to be more than just, you know, a a thug and a baby mama. Come on. Yeah. And stop blaming white people for our problems. Why people right. didn't do this? We did this. We broke it. We need to fix it. Well, folks, right. um, I'm 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 about to. I got to get ready to get up out of here because I got to get some things done in the morning. But uh, Thomas, with your permission, I'd like to uh, put a plug into my show. If if you if you would allow me Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm also on Blog Talk Radio. I do a uh, radio program called Truth. Sharks Radio, and uh, I go by the I go by the um, I go by my stage name is Southeast Vince, and uh, I usually come on uh, Saturday evenings and su- and Sunday afternoons. Uh, it, co- it consists of two shows. Uh, the the first show, Black by Color Only. Uh, <laughs> that's the show that got me started, you know, some years ago. And uh, my other show is called Profit or Loss. But my show, Black by Color Only, that's the show where I uh, talk about the black issues, the political issues, and things of, of that sort. And I, I invite anybody come in at any time, stop by, uh, listen to what I have to say. Um, uh, you might not like some of the things I say. <laughs> Send me an invite. I would love to join in. Oh, okay. Well, well, I usually put it up on uh, Facebook and uh sure. to, to all my to all my Facebook friends and whatever and invite people there and uh usually I I do it on uh, I don't have a set time on Saturday when I do it cuz you know me being a family man and you know my you know me and my wife we like to go out and do things a lot and everything sometimes my 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 times are kind of iffy but I try to stay on schedule on Saturdays but usually around Saturday on uh about 5 o'clock and um Okay. I invite everybody. I, I invite anybody if if you have the time, if you can find the time, come on out. And of course, I got archives. You can come by, listen to the archives, and you know, kind of critique me on on whatever I say and whatever. But I would really love to invite you all. And and of course, Thomas is always welcome. You know, I've <laughs> known Thomas for I don't, I don't know how long. I've known Thomas three or four years now. I, I'm I'm not sure. It, it, it's been a when while. He knows, it, it, 
June second, twenty eleven was when I started Blog Talk Radio. You probably listened a few weeks later. So yeah, yeah. probably four years. Uh-huh. Four years. So. Yeah, about four mm-hmm. years. So so you know, uh but uh I'd just like to invite everybody in and sometimes I get some colorful characters and everything and I I have my yeah. special way of dealing with them but <laughs> But everybody is invited, and uh, I, I wanted great. to uh, I want to say that I consider it an honor to speak with you, uh, uh, Miss Peggy Hubbard. Um, Thank keep you. Keep on doing what you do, uh, my man. Uh, I forgot his name, Sean. 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 Yep. Yeah, a uh, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> my brother, P- PG County brother. <laughs> PG County buddy. <laughs> Well, I'm going to send out a shout-out to Black Lives Matter. I'm going to invite them to the 76th Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. I want them to come protest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be I want them to come shut down a highway or two. Come on. I might shut, I might show up just so I can take pictures and video of that. Yeah, yeah. I'm inviting them to the, hey, the motorcycle rally. I want them to shut down a highway. I can't wait for that one. Peggy, are you trying to get them folks skilled? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you now you now you know them now you know them Sturgis biker, bikers are nuts. I I know I'm, you are. I'm, I'm, you, I'm, yeah, come on. You need to post some pictures of your Harley. You haven't posted no pictures of your Harley. Oh yeah, I, I, it's been up. It's been my Harley's been up. The problem that I have with that is the fact that 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 bike is now so so widely known. I'm, I ride down oh. the highway or the street, and people would try to stop me. I had one guy that tried to run me off the road. Oh wow! So I'm thinking, I'm thinking about repainting my bike. That bike is is widely known now. I can't go anywhere oh. on that bike without people knowing who who it is. It's kind of <laughs> sticks out with a black chick on a Harley in the first place, but that bike is so customized, people know it. So wow. Yeah. Well, there so. you go. You got what you you got what you wanted. And, and Sean, I'm gonna give you a call because we need to make arrangements so that I can come out there, go to the range, get some training. Um, yep. Let me ask. You we'll take care this. of you. How many? How many days do you think it would take? Three to four days? Because you know, I I know that you have to keep your ongoing training, but I want to at least be good enough when I leave Flagstaff that when I go to the range, I can just go to the range, say, hey, I want this amount, clips, set up my target. I think think we can have you have a good understanding and and all the fundamentals in a four-day class for pistol and um, rifle. So this way, um, give you two days for both. Okay. And then if you you want any more, then we we can do something later on. Okay. Oh, what I do want to know, because um, were you were you military too? Or yeah. Just yes, I was. Okay. Okay. Uh, one thing that I do want to take as well, I want to get some basic hand-to-hand com- combat as well. Do you guys do okay. that as well? Yep. We have somebody who can do that. Well, can awesome. we can do that too? I just take you to a beauty supply store on a Friday night. Sisters will hook you up. Teddy, <laughs> <laughs> you are so uh, <laughs> Have you ever seen a sister try to get a weave on a Friday? 
Oh yes, I have. That is bad. Okay, hand to hand combat right there. You get all the training you need right there. <laughs> right. You need hey, to hey, Vincent, Peggy, up. Vincent, Peggy, and Thomas, I just want to thank all of you guys. You guys <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. I love you guys. Hopefully you we'll too, get babe. to do this again and Yes, um, yes. We, we we need we need to lead from out front and and and, and lead yes. this fight and and do it keep doing what we're doing and so that we can make a difference and make this country a better place yes. and uh, and, and we, we need to can. bring people together. Yep. Yeah. We yeah. can. Yes, we and do. And we will. And it start and it starts here. It started here, and I'm gonna tell you something. It's going to grow. This is. This thing is going to be organic. Why? Because I'm going to make sure that it grows. I'm tired of the division. I'm tired of seeing. I'm tired of seeing lies. I don't care what what the culture is. It's like that young, that beautiful uh, 17 year old who was lynched and set on fire in Mississippi by the 17 black gangbanger, and somebody made mm-hmm. a comment. Well, that's what she get for hanging out with the, with them. She did not deserve to have her life taken mm-hmm. because she was white. But yet, that yeah. wasn't no. called a hate crime. I'm yes. so no. sick of hate crimes only going one way, but when it's perpetuated the other way, it's like, oh, they can't be discriminated against because they're white. Right. That's garbage. Exactly. A hate crime is a hate crime. Just like the biggest purveyors of hate crimes in America right. are Muslims. Exactly. Let's, yep. let's keep it real. The biggest purveyors of hate crimes in America are Muslims. But yet, yep. when someone stands up against them, they want to cry about, oh, we're being picked on. You're lucky. Like up there in Dearborn, Michigan, I, I know you guys saw the video of the crowds of Muslims attacking Christians who were just talking about Jesus and handing out Bibles during one of their festivals. What do they yeah, think exactly. they are? They they think that they think that this is Europe or some some place like that. Yeah. They don't understand that the American people will only tolerate that for so long, and they'll turn and then they'll turn. Um, They'll turn Dearborn into a war zone. They'll go in. Mm-hmm. The American people get a force of twenty five, thirty thousand people and move through that. They'll sweep through that city like it's nothing since Dearborn now calls itself America's first Muslim no go zone. That they don't understand <laughs> that they are poking a sleeping bear. They they better oh, chill. They better assimilate into the country and just be about their peaceful way. Because as Sean said, Peggy, as you said, Vincent, you said, and I'm saying it now, the American people are waking up and we're ticked. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with, with that, you all, I love you guys. Have a good I love night. You guys. Sean, I'm going to be calling you. Peggy, um, Facebook me your number because I want to call you at some point tomorrow so we can talk about uh, FDF, Frederick Douglass Foundation stuff here in Missouri because I want to give you some information that you can pass on to your husband because I definitely want both of you a part of this organization because there is work that we have to do. And I believe that people, 
your message has already went viral across this nation, and I believe that you really can make a difference with your message because you're not just about the talk, but you walk your walk as well. So, mm-hmm. well, anyway, thank you for that. You're very welcome, and it's it's been awesome two days to be able to interview you. And I'm a, I'm gonna put the archives up to let people listen <laughs> to it. And I'll probably post your video too, just to let them see who who the person is, because you're on point with everything you say, my friend. And Vincent, you always on point with your radio shows, you know, and you keep doing what you're doing. And Sean, you keep, you know, you keep developing, you keep training people, because you know what? I'm probably going to recommend you to a lot of people for some business. So. Yes. Anyway. Appreciate it. All right, folks. Appreciate you Not guys. No problem. Most appreciate right. Have a good night. God Thank bless you. you. And we'll talk again. Peggy, don't forget. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Okay. See you. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night.